Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 14th. Today we are reading from the big book and we, we are at page five in the fourth edition, fourth paragraph down. Today's readers are Robin, Eddie, Deb W., Judy F., and then Amy and Susan S. The reference number for Monday, August 18th, or excuse me, Monday, August 13th, is 2840. EOA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Amy to read the 12 steps. Good morning, my name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. Step one, we admitted we are powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Amy. I will now call on Susan S. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, friends. This is Susan in Florida. I'm a compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on our unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate 
Susan, are you there? Susan S. Melanie? Christy, I think that she, Christy, I think that she um, was dropped off her line. She's not on the okay. she's not on the board. She's not on the board anymore. Mel Melanie, could you step in and read the twelve traditions, please? I sure can. I sure can. Thank you. Hang on one second. Oh, shoot. I'm so sorry. I don't have it quickly. Does anybody else have it real quick? I'm just digging for it real quick. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Tradition yeah, two. Hi, this is Cody. Hey, Tradition Cody? two. Good morning. This is Leah. Leah, for our go group, ahead and read them. For our group purposes, but one ultimate authority, a loving God, is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Tradition three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsive overeating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige to divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every, AA, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And, and tradition twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Leah, Melanie, and Susan for that group effort. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book. We're on page 5. We're in the fourth edition. We're on paragraph 4. 
and I will ask Robin to begin reading. And Robin, the paragraph starts with, I woke up. Good morning, this is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. <clears throat> I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. And I'll stop right there. Um, Oh, the sweet promises. I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business. And I have kind of a spoiler alert. This is going to go on for a couple more more pages. I mean, he's not through drinking. Um, If anything identifies me as an addict, this paragraph does. I made sweet promises for years and years and I fully intended to follow through on every single one of them. I was going to stop drinking, but I, like Bill, did not understand that I had um, I lost the control of. I, I had not. I, I no longer. I no longer had any control over the compulsion to to eat. Bill had no no longer had any control over his compulsion to drink. Um, you know, I remember that what happened to me was I could see that. You know, my husband just got to the point where he said, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. You know, I it, people had lost faith in me. And, um, it, you know, I can see here that that what Bill is talking about, the desire to stop happens long, long before we're actually able to stop because we, we um, aren't able to control it anymore. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. Hi, this is Melanie, compulsive overeater. Melanie, go ahead. Um, I'm going to probably just um, expound on what um, Robin had mentioned and that I, I remember the agonizing and um, crying that this had to stop. I'm going to stop. I swear, swear, swear I'm going to stop. But the thing that I wanted to um, emphasize here, um, exactly what Robin was saying, is that my first line of defense was to muster up the willpower to stop. Again, it didn't matter about all those times I tried before. I knew this time there was a fresh dawn, a new awakening. I had gotten so sad and so miserable this time that I was going to be able to find the power and the strength. I was going to muster it up again, and I was going to do this with my own self-will. And then something about the way I presented myself convince people around me. Matter of fact, I could get people on a bandwagon now at this point to start this brand new diet. A new dawn had come for Melanie again, and self-reliance took power over again. I was too sick to realize that this chain of passion, this chain of behavior and experience was still repeating itself. That's how delusional, how insane I'd gotten this whole deal, and I too. For many years, I can see the pattern. Many years had went right back to that doggone food and couldn't see the pattern. Couldn't see the pattern. And that's what I'm reading in this particular paragraph, and it just takes my breath away. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Audrey. This is Amy. 
I heard Audrey, I heard Amy, and I think I heard someone else. So why don't you go ahead, Audrey, and then Amy, and then we'll see who else would like to share. Good morning, fellows. This is Audrey, grateful recovering, uh, recovered compulsive overeater from Minneapolis. Yeah, the thing is, I woke up. Isn't that amazing? He woke up every morning and said, well, today I'm going to do different than I did yesterday. Well, for many of us who are compulsive overeaters, you know, before 6 o'clock, if we got up at 5.30, by 6 o'clock, we were face down in the food and didn't even realize how that had happened. And so, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's so great to see that there is a solution for us because if we continue to be self-reliant and to think that we can control compulsive overeating, I don't know about other people, but I almost got myself into a diabetic coma, 300, almost 300 pounds, and... Uh, you know, waking up to the fact that I was doing it to myself, that was even ruder. I was thinking, wow, are you kidding me? Surely I'm a victim of something else and somebody else is putting that food in my mouth because I didn't even remember how it got there. You know, food fog and, you know, waking up with uh, going out to the car and finding it filled with, you know, wrappers from, you know, candy bars and all that kind of stuff and not knowing, thinking my kids had put it in there. Uh, you know, just like an alcoholic, just drunk from the food. So what I'm grateful for, too, in this terms of this paragraph, I woke up. Well, this morning I woke up and I thought, great, I get to be on a vision for you this morning. So thank you, my fellows. Mm. Thank you, Audrey. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. Boy, this I've heard in the rooms the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, this is the insanity of the mental obsession. Remember, we have a, a mental obsession that says we can't differentiate the true from the false. If we go back to the doctor's opinion, it says here we are restless, irritable, and discontent until we can again have the sense and ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks or bites, drinks which we see others taking with impunity. After we have succumbed to the desire again, as many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over. And unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. Well, this is what's happening here, the progression of the mental obsession and the allergy for Bill. He wakes up, he's remorseful, he's saying, oh, I'm not going to do this again. But he is in the grips of the insanity of the mental obsession, trying to fight his mind and his thinking with his mind and his thinking that is warped and geared towards getting restless and irritable and discontent again, and then thinking that drinking is going to be the answer, regardless of how injurious it is. He sees it. He means it. He wakes up, and he's remorseful, as we all have been, as I have been, waking up, crying, screaming, I won't do this again. I won't do this again. God help me. I won't do this again. And yet, finding myself five bites into a binge in front of the refrigerator, going, how the hell did I get there? I'm dealing with something, Bill is dealing with something that is beyond my mental and physical control. Lack of power, that's our dilemma, the big book says. We need to find a power greater than ourselves. But this is the progression repeated over and over and over and over again. And gratefully, we see how the result becomes at the end of this story. But right now, we are in the thick of it because this is the insanity of this disease. 
And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? I'm Christy. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'll jump in here. Um, what, I, what I'm amazed uh, at in this paragraph is that Bill sees that he could not take as much as one drink. And, um, you know, I know for me that first compulsive bite didn't have a very clear definition for me. You know, it certainly does today. It really truly is for me that first compulsive bite. You know, there are foods, you know, my trigger foods, and for me those are, you know, fats and flour and sugar and volume and, you know, certainly behaviors of eating and, um you know, I didn't have that kind of definition necessarily, at least not as clear-cut or black and white as it is today for me, um, you know, for many years, for many years. And I didn't recognize that first compulsive bite was to stay away from those foods entirely. And I did not understand that. To me, that compulsive bite was the one that, you know, that last, you know, the last piece of, the last bite of a piece of cake you know, that one that was going to put me over the edge, um, you know, just like the drinking maybe the very last drink that makes you spin and get sick, you know, that's the way I looked at food. It's that very last, that one that put me over the edge, that one bite, that last bite of whatever it was I'd already eaten, you know, 99% of and I just had that 1%, you know, I couldn't push the food away. I didn't recognize that it was staying away from the food in the first place. So I'm actually amazed that Bill, at this point in his addiction, recognizes that, you know, he recognizes that he could not take so much as one drink. He recognizes that. He says he's soon forever. He says, you know, I mean, he had this great opportunity in the paragraph before, and for whatever reason, Crazy Bill picks up the, you know, alcohol and, and you know, starts drinking, goes on a bender, starts drinking, ruins the deal. You know, the chance vanishes, and um, he swears he's not going to do it again. You know, he sees that he cannot take as much as one drink, and... Um, with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Yes, you know, here's Bill, and just two paragraphs before, he said he still thought he could control the situation. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. And there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. But we're turning a corner here in Bill's story. We're turning a corner. And this corner that we're turning is Bill seeing, well, maybe, maybe I do really want to stop entirely. Maybe I want to stop entirely. I see that I cannot take even one drink. And boy, that's where I'm. That's what I'm going to do then. That's what I'm going to do then. I see this is taking me nowhere. I I can't take that first drink. And I've been there. I don't know about you, but I've been there. When I turned that corner and I said, "Okay, this just can't go on anymore." Okay, I I, I just won't. I won't pick up that that cupcake. I won't pick up that piece of carrot cake. I just won't do it. I won't. I won't pick up anything at all. 
And Lois is looking at him saying, oh, this, this is something new. This, he really means this. You know, I mean, he said it before a lot of times, but this time, this time he really seems to mean it. He meant business. And so I did, he said. And so I did. And I've been there. I've been there. But what's going to unfold is the real dilemma, the real dilemma of this disease. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Good morning. It's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Yes, the real dilemma. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. Bill is now going to apply that uh, willpower and self-knowledge. Now he knows he can't take that first drink. He knows he can't even take one drink. He has that knowledge about himself. He's going to apply willpower to the situation. He's going to apply willpower to the situation. Again, this is going to teach about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. We've been spending a lot of time discussing an alcoholic's physical craving that results from drinking alcohol. Um, We learned about that in the doctor's opinion, and Bill is well aware of that now. But that is not the greater aspect of the disease. The greater aspect of the disease resides in the mind because even now we're going to see that even though he knows he can't take one drink, he he is powerless. He is powerless. He is without defense against that first drink. So is Bill's real problem the fact that he has a physical allergy to alcohol? We're going to see that that's not the major problem going on here. The major problem is is powerlessness. It tells him it's okay to take that first drink. And the story continues, and with that I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else like to share on what was read before we move to the next paragraph? All right, let's move on. Eddie, would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning. This is Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here today. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was I crazy? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seems near to being just that. Uh, Boy, can I relate to that. Um, I can't even begin to remember how many times being on another quote-unquote diet, I would have a special event to go to, like a wedding or, you know, some type of party, um, or it was Christmas, or it was my birthday, or it was Thanksgiving, or it was whatever. And, um, you know, I would go out and I, I, don't know, I, I would either do one, one of two things seemed to be my, my modus operandi. I would either go out and I would say to myself, well, today's Christmas. So for today, I'll just have whatever, you know, I'll celebrate with everybody else. And then tomorrow, I'll just get right back in the bandwagon. Or I would go out and I would say, I'm not going to eat any of that stuff. I'm just going to stick to my diet. And that's the way it's going to be. And so I would get there, and I would either be miserable because really pissed off because I couldn't eat all that great stuff that was out there, or I would be just so, just, you know, forget the whole thing about 20 minutes into the, into the party if it took that long, and, you know, I was off and running again. And then the next morning, 
of course, never came because, you know, that day would turn into, well, it's Wednesday, so I'll just wait till Monday. Or it's Saturday and it's the weekend, so, again, I'll just wait till Monday. Monday had a, had a really bad habit of never coming on my calendar. Um, and so and it would go on and on and on like that. And then sometimes it would be weeks before I could, quote, unquote, climb back or months or sometimes years before I could climb back on the bandwagon. And I was always amazed at, you know, I'd look around one morning and realize that here I was again in the same spot uh, doing the same things that I had vowed not to do ever again. And and really just thinking to myself, how did I get here? How did I, how did this happen again? And never coming up with the answer because, of course, the answer staring me in the face. I, I just did not want to see it. Um, and I can remember watching when I would go to work in the morning, there was a, a, a woman that worked in the same hospital that I did. And I would see her most mornings. We kind of pulled into to the parking lot together and I'd see her walking across the parking lot. She was quite heavy as I was. And I would watch her go across the parking lot, and I would sit in my car, and I'd say to myself, I am not going to do this again. This would happen especially if, you know, I was thin or getting thinner, you know, or being on a diet or whatever. And I would say to myself, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to do this again. Over and over and over again, I'd sit in my car. And then, you know, I'd, I'd go up to the you know, to the unit I worked in, and I'd go out of the locker room, and I'd go past the coffee lounge, and usually there was something in there that appealed to me. And, you know, before you know it, I was into whatever it was that was in there. Um, and, you know, all my my high hopes and my promises and my firm resolve uh, was gone for the day, for the week, whatever, you know. So, and and I just, and this just went on and on and on to the point that I really thought, just like Bill says here, was I crazy? I mean, I don't know how many times I asked myself that question. Was I crazy? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Abby. Would anyone like to? Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Kathy in Boston. Hi, Kathy. Kathy. Go ahead. Thank yes, you. Go ahead, um, thanks. Good morning, uh, Vision for you. My name is Kathy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, for me, this paragraph reinforces our illness uh, being twofold. Uh, this is not about the physical craving. This is about the mental obsession. This sentence, it hadn't even come to my mind, uh, says it all for me, um, that even after months and months of being abstinent, I could have an experience like this. Um, and it has nothing to do with a physical craving. It is about what we're thinking and what and our powerlessness over our thoughts. Um, it took me a long time to recognize that I needed God in my life not just to uh, relieve the physical craving, but perhaps most importantly to help me deal with what's between my ears. Um, I began to wonder for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed being just that. And uh, I continue to resonate with this. I continue to get my uh, mind uh, into s some very dark, negative places that um, are definitely part of the mental aspect of our disease. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Kathy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. 
Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. All right, there's a couple things in this paragraph. More, more, another corner. Bill's turning yet another corner here. He began to, to, to doubt his sanity. Was I crazy? Was I crazy, he said. There was no fight. There had been no fight. So even though he had had this big, firm resolve, this I woke up feeling, this I cannot have one drink, there had been no fight. He hadn't even tried to resist. He found himself taking that first drink despite having had this firm resolve. You know, that's another corner in the disease. That's another spiral downward in the disease. That even though he had this firm resolve, even though he woke up and saw, now, I can't drink. I can't drink. I can't have even one. All of a sudden here he finds himself drunk again. Where had been his high resolve? I simply didn't know, he said. And didn't that make him feel crazy? You bet. You bet that made him feel crazy. And I've been there. I've been there. You make those sweet promises. You have that high resolve. You think that this time, okay, I've got the answer. I just, I just can't pick it up. I just can't drink. I just can't eat that, that trigger food. And still, you, he couldn't stop. So here's another, here's another eye-opener for Bill, another eye-opener, and a necessary one, I believe, a necessary one. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. I'm Christy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, Bill, what happened? What happened to Bill shortly afterward? I wonder how shortly afterward. Um, he came home drunk. Just a few words before that, he was never going to do it again. And shortly afterward, he came home drunk. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, that appalling lack of perspective, that appalling lack of perspective, that memory of mine that was so short-lived when I made these kinds of promises to myself, you know, I was not going to do it again. Um, you know, my high resolve hadn't even come to mind. Someone pushed a drink my way, and uh, I had taken it. You know, and I remember a particular point in my life, you know, I can remember, um, you know, I had made a, made a decision and made that uh, high resolve that I was not going to eat sugar. You know, it was the holiday season, and I had turned down, you know, holiday treats and uh, told my partner, you know, I'm not going to eat sugar. I've, I've given it up, you know, cleared it all out of the, you know, our home. I, uh, you know, made it known to people, thank you so much for the treats, but oh, no, I'm not eating sugar. So, you know, if, if someone else would like them, please go ahead, but no, thank you. I'm, I'm not eating sugar. You know, I said it every chance I got to everybody, people on the street, hey, I'm not eating sugar. And uh, I remember going out to dinner with a friend, and after dinner, the friend had gone to a, you know, one of those gumball machines and, you know, put money in and gotten a handful of gumballs and brought them back to the table and said, would you like, you know, would you like some gum? And, of course, it had sugar in it, and I, I took it, you know, I took a couple of the gumballs and... I'll never forget my partner looked at me and said to me, I thought you weren't eating sugar. And I looked at her like, 
I had totally forgotten. You know, this was after I had started eating it. I had, I, you know, I had made such a big deal of it. You know, how could someone else remember that I wasn't eating sugar? And I couldn't remember that. I couldn't remember that. You know, that perspective, that appalling lack of perspective. You know, I would say I was never going to do it again. And usually I would say that when I was absolutely full, literally full, you know, not just full of remorse, certainly full of remorse, but, you know, my body couldn't ingest any more food. You know, I was so full, I felt like I was going to burst. And, you know, the minute my body started processing, you know, working overtime to process all that food and cleared space in my stomach, that was the shortly afterward for me. I was ready to go again. You know, I was ready to go again. When I was in pain and suffering the consequences, then I was never going to do it again. But once there was space, once there was space in my body to fill back up again, I was off and running. I was off and running. And what is that? What is that? That's the mental obsession. That is the mental obsession. The physical self couldn't take it anymore. You know, I would stop not just because I you know, was, you know, had a high moral character, I would stop because my body couldn't take it anymore. My body couldn't take it anymore. But the minute my body could take it again, I was off and running. I was off and running because I couldn't do anything about my mental obsession. Not until I came into a way and applied the 12 steps to my life. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Shortly afterwards, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? It's interesting in this paragraph here, we're seeing some questions. Bill is starting to ask questions. Bill, the guy who always had all the answers, the confidence, and I, I, you know, and also notice in these paragraphs, we're seeing I after I after I. But here he is, he's starting to have some questions here. What's going on? I can't believe this. I've, you know, I've gotten some information. I realize that the alcohol is causing me a problem. Okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. Shortly afterwards, I came home drunk. There'd been no fight. Where had been my high resolved? His high resolved, you know, his, his self-will, his determination, all these things that had worked so well for him and his business opportunities and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, he's decided, okay, I know I can't drink anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use these things and I'm going to just stop drinking. Shortly thereafter, I came home drunk again. And he's going, wow, where, you know, he's, he's starting to have some questions here. He's coming to a point where he wants to stop drinking and he's not able to. What's happening? Am I crazy? How come I can't do this? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just like. Now he's really, you know, am I crazy? Is there really something wrong with me? And appalling is a terrible, horrible disgusting lack of perspective and attitude, a view. I began to wonder for such an appalling, a terrible, disgusting lack of view seemed to be near, seemed near being just that. 
So he's really wondering here, what is going on? And I will pass with that. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? It's Leah. Leah, go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. Where had been my high resolve? Um, you know, alcohol has burned Bill over and over again, but for some reason, you know, he can't remember, uh, he can't remember that pain and suffering. He cannot remember the pain and suffering. He can't remember sleeping on his mother's couch. He can't remember Lois threatening divorce. He can't remember lost job opportunities. He can't remember. So even though alcohol has burned him over and over and over and over again, for some strange reason, left to his own resources, Bill can't remember what alcohol does to him. He gets to thinking about what it's going to do for him. He can't remember what it does to him. So is Bill's real problem that he has a physical allergy to alcohol? Absolutely not. You know, people have uh, allergies to lobster, right? They break out in hives and start to itch but they don't have to go to Lobster Anonymous. They remember who and what they are. They remember that Lobster has a particular abnormal effect on them, an abnormal reaction for them. But Bill, we're seeing here the obsession of the mind. The obsession of the mind is really the greater aspect of his disease because it's, uh, it's where he has a mind that tells him to go back and take that first drink even though he's been away from it for a little bit. That is the mental obsession. That's the obsession of the mind. That's why we have to be restored to sanity. Insanity means that your mind is less than whole, that you can't always see the truth. Yes, he's questioning his sanity. Was I crazy? Was I crazy? Because that is the obsession of the mind, that strange, peculiar way of thinking about alcohol that's different from a normal person. And every single time, that mental twist in Bill wins out. Powerlessness. Powerlessness. Allergy of the body, but the greater aspect of the disease resides in the mind. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Yes, this is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a still compulsive overeater. Well, Bill's starting to hit bottom here. He's realizing that he can't drink, not even one drink. He realizes a problem. He wants to stop. He's using all his willpower that he can to stop, realizing that he can't stop and then questioning his mind and his ability. Was he crazy? Well, as we've learned from the doctor's opinion and other, through the sharing that we've had, that yes, the mental obsession is the greater aspect of the disease. It says in step one here, in the 12 and 12, it's truly awful to admit that food, alcohol, and hand in hand, we have warped our mind into such an obsession for destructive eating and drinking that only an act of providence can remove it from us. I mean, what else do we need to know? But then it goes on to say that why this insistence that every AA and OA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice this program unless they have hit bottom. Bill is going to have to hit bottom before it doesn't matter what he's thinking. He knows that he's going to die unless he does something, unless he finds a power greater than himself. And I found that process to be true for all of us. We must all find our own personal bottom. 
from being beaten and pummeled and destroyed and ravaged by this disease, taking others down with us as we go, and being so afraid of dying of the disease, our own personal bottom, because then we will do things, we will, we will, we will work this program like our lives depend upon it, but it's only when we hit that bottom because otherwise we're dealing with this merciless obsession that constantly brings us back to the food with reasoning that makes no sense, with complete insanity, you know, where we will believe the truth instead of the lie of the disease. And we will give ourselves an excuse again and again, over and over. And it was only under the lash of compulsive overeating for me at my bottom that I said, okay, whatever I'm thinking here is wrong, is warped. And I started to understand the mental obsession and the allergy as dictated in these first 164 pages and realizing that when it comes to food and it comes to anything around food that I am crazy. Was I crazy? Was Bill crazy? Yes. We are crazy when it comes to thinking about food. That's the way it was. And so anything I thought, I mean, I remember one of my first sponsors said to me, Whatever you're thinking about food is wrong and insane. So just get that through your head now. It's wrong, it's warped, and it's insane. So now we're going to show you a different way. We know a way that works. We have a common solution, and that's the way. You need to learn to talk program to yourself instead of listening to yourself. We have a way. We have a solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Melanie, compulsive overeater. It's Katie. Okay, Melanie and then Amy, or I'm sorry, then Katie. Melanie, go ahead. Hi, uh, Melanie, compulsive overeater. Where had, where had been my high resolve? I have said many times in here, when I came into these rooms, I had nothing to pull from that told me what I was going to be doing in these rooms was going to be any different than what I had done before. At least had come to that point. Where had been my high resolve? It had been in my past experience. I'm thinking about Bill here. What was his experience? His experience was he could make millions of dollars, and he had it. He had done it all on his own. So if he could do that, by God, he should be able to put down the drink. And so he's just going to muster up some more strength. I can't even tell you how many times I was right there. Where had been my high resolve and my, where was my self-esteem now? It kept going down and down and down and down. And so how do I spring back from there? I get a larger ego. I justify more. I get more crazy. And I'm telling you, I had come to the point where I decided that it was going to be easier to be crazy because I, my self-esteem had gotten so low and I had tried so hard with self-reliance to pull myself back up to get bigger and better and braver and I continued to just isolate myself from people because I became disgustingly arrogant about these things. Where had been my high resolve? It had been invested in myself. Did I know any better? I, I didn't. But here is what we're talking about in this obsession of the mind and it's so powerful. This looping is so powerful. And more is just going to continue to unfold here as we watch this process. And I'm looking at my own life to see exactly what I did. Talk about this whole idea coming to life here. There's no higher power in this kind of deal. I was angry. I had pushed the, even the higher power out of the way because it wasn't doing anything to deliver me the Santa Claus gifts and things I'd asked. I am doing this deal on my own and I am driven. But I wanted to be crazy. I started the path myself personally, 
And thank God that wasn't the case for Bill. But I started my path towards being able to be locked up and without a pass. Thank you, Melanie. Katie, go ahead. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. And I've just been thinking about all these, you know, who Bill Wilson was. He's someone who survived the crash of 1929. He wasn't just some farmer out in the Midwest who just, you know, kept plowing the field. He was a stockbroker. And he survived the crash of 1929 and, you know, rebuilt himself for a while. So it's just so clear that knowledge and being smart and having it all together is not enough to keep someone from this mental obsession that will kill you. And I'm just so grateful that they wrote it this way. They didn't pick up someone who had, who had been a loser his whole life. He had been a very successful man, and yet he could not stop drinking. And that is, you know, I got into that thinking of if I just found the right career, if I just found the right job, if I just found, you know, if I was just doing everything I wanted to be doing, I, 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 then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want to eat. I wouldn't want to do this to myself. Well, that didn't work for him, and it didn't work for me. With that, I'll pass Thank you, Katie. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? It's Irini. Irini? Yes. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Irini. I am a grateful, compulsive overeater. Wow. Um, there has been no fight. There had been no fight. He had totally surrendered. He had totally surrendered to his false master, the chaos of true surrender. He knows how to surrender 100%. He needs to shift and apply that same surrenderness to the true master, and that is the spiritual awakening that he needs, and that is God, his true master. He needs the peace of true surrender and not... Um, the chaos of um, the other surrender. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Edimi. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read before we move to the next paragraph? All right, let's move on. Deb W., will you please read the next paragraph? Good morning, Christy. Good morning, A Vision for You. My name is Deb. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. Some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksuredness. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. One day I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it happened. As a whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time. But I might as well get good and drunk then. And I did. I'm going to stop there. Um, yeah, I can totally identify with this uh, um, paragraph. And I think, wow, I had moments um, of short sobriety. And, uh, again, looking at that resolve, renewing my resolve, that firmness of purpose, that determination, he tried again, you know, again, not realizing what the solution was, and that was, getting in touch with um, a higher power that could help him through um, this obsession of the mind and, and allergy of the body. 
But one of the things that just really cracks me up, I love how this book is written and all the words that are brought up, but touchedness, I want to bring up the definition of overconfidence, being too sure, a feeling of assurance often without good reason, uh, feeling of assurance often without good reason, strutting, rooster-like confidence. Um, It just reminds me of uh, later in the um, chapter of Vision for You, now and then a serious drinker being dry at a moment says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take a half dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture his life without alcohol. Someday he'll be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness, such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. And we're coming up on the next paragraph, how he is just so desperate. You know, he's feeling hopeless. And um, that just, this just speaks loudly to me today. And I can totally identify and resonate with that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. You know, here's Bill. Here's Bill. You know, once more, once more confident, once more exerting his willpower, his personal willpower, and getting just a tiny bit of relief. Just a kind, tiny bit of relief. Now I had what it takes. Now I had what it takes. Just a tiny bit of relief from the seriousness of this. But one day, he walked into a cafe to use the telephone. To use the telephone. No plan in his mind that he was going to go in there and drink. He was going to go in and use the telephone. But what happened to him? What happened to him? He found himself with the drink in his hand, the whiskey rose to his head, and he said, well, I might as well just get good and drunk then. Might, might just as well. And you know, page 24 tells us that at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. Well, here's another corner that Bill's turning. Another corner that I had to turn in the progression of my disease. You know, I don't know if you've ever tried that. Step into the kitchen and try some controlled eating, we like to say. I tried that. I tried that. Try to eat and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. You know, there, here we was, no big plan to go in and drink. That's even scarier. That's even more crazy. It's not like I'm trying to resist. It's like I'm just, just going to go in and use a telephone. You know, absolutely no avail. No matter how great the desire or the wish builds at that certain point where he passes into that state where he has no choice. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read? 
Hi, my name is Susan. I'm a compulsive overeater. Susan, go ahead. Thank you. Um, what has struck me in the last two paragraphs is that you know, Bill is setting himself up unknowingly, um, as I used to do, um, as I've done before. Um, in note, um, I walked into the uh, cafe to make a telephone call. I mean, he didn't walk into a bank. He didn't walk into the local library. He didn't walk into the, um, you know, in the previous paragraph, you know, someone pushed a drink his way. Well, where was he? He wasn't in the church pew or wherever. He went in the grocery store. Um, uh, the, the insanity of putting ourself, putting myself into a, a position to be hurt, uh, a position to eat again. Uh, it just goes on and on. And it, the reason it goes on and on, we have these repetitive paragraphs, is because he has yet to find out what the true uh, problem is, is that he, you know, not one drink, total absence is his only, uh, it, we'll find out. And as we read, is this going to be his only solution? And um, uh, I can certainly relate to the, uh, I'll manage better next time. There's always a next time. And there's been about six paragraphs of next time for Bill in the last couple of pages. And that just, again, shows that it it starts with the mental. And um, even if, uh, you know, when physical, when the physical um, straightens out, that's the high resolve or that's that's the... um, uh, that's the renewing of resolve, and that's the um, I'm at business this time. That's I think when the um, uh, the food is his. Um, as one person mentioned, has left the system, and finally you can breathe again. And our ego tells us that's resolve. It's not. It's just a break in the pattern of insanity. So I appreciate letting me share. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Judy F. It's Monica. I'm sorry, what was what was the first name I heard there? What, can you say it again? Judy F. Judy Thank you, Judy Go ahead. And then I think I heard Monica. So, Judy go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, Judy F., Compulsive Overeater. Good morning. Um, what jumps out at me is that, you know, confidence began to be replaced by cocksureness. Um, I... I went on so many diets when I was on the diet and I was losing weight and it was like, there's no way I would want to pick up, I would want to get fat again and I want to be healthy and um, I I just had no, I really thought this is it. And the addict, you know, forgetfulness, that's part of my disease is that I soon forget and um, it'll be just one little thought in there in my head, well, I'll just have this or or I'll start tomorrow, or Monday will come. You know, that whole diet mentality, I'd be really feeling good. There's no way I need the extra food. I don't need to um, have that. I've been off that for so long. But you know what? Just one one won't hurt, and I'll get right back on tomorrow. And then, um, it, you know, that progression, and that's what we're seeing here. Um, you'd think he had learned, you know, a couple of, pages back, but I needed every binge, I needed every time, every type of control, I needed to do that to know that um, nothing, nothing that I could think of, my self-will, could not fix this, and uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judia. Monica, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. My name is Monica. 
Renewing my resolve, I tried again. Okay, resolve, I looked that up. Determination, so renewing my determination, I tried again. How many times we do that? And again, and this this pair, uh, this chapter, Bill's story, is a picture of the progression of the illness, especially his, but a progression of our illness. And it does keep progressing. And so he renews his determination, I'm going to try it again. Okay. And he gets a little success here, you know. Okay, good, I've got this figured out now. You know, how many times have I said that? You know, we are quick, quick forgetters. And then he, wa- he finds himself uh, beating on the bar. And as the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time. But I might as well get good and drunk, and I did. You know, if this isn't craziness, you know, our, in- our obsession of the mind, this crazy thinking that we have... This part of our disease that we have is just greater than us. And all of this we're reading here is seeing why we need step two. Because we do have crazy obsessive thinking. And we need something greater than ourselves to help us with it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the big book, on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Judy F. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, Judy. I will ask everyone to press star 1 to unmute so we can say the serenity prayer.